Wait a minute. You like wrestling. Of course I like wrestling. That's why I hate it. Outlaws. Wrestling is better than the things you like. Outlaws. You'll take those rattlesnake fangs and you'll stick them right in my ass. What? See, we don't look at reality through any veil, nor do we see the truth through any uh, veil. It is what it is. Things are as they are, and we are who we are. When we rest, we rest in reason. When we move, we move with passion, and there's nothing that we feel more passionate about than inflicting, inf- inflicting pain. On the Raven, and that was the greatest promo that was ever cut at a Starcade by the crippler Chris Benoit. <laughs> Welcome to episode forty-nine of the Middle-Aged Outlaws. Today we'll be talking about possibly. I, I, I think it's the biggest selling pay-per-view in WCW history. Adam, Starcade nineteen ninety-seven. Your choice. Yeah. How's it going? You all right? I I I may be fucked up. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm gonna try and you know, as we go, justify myself. But yeah, um, so much of this was about one story that I'd been hearing about. So maybe it's kind of not my fault. Just to try and pass the buck. Was it the Benoit promo? N- n- no, no. The 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 story was. Um, We'll, we'll get there. It's in the Sting okay. Hogan match. We'll get there. Okay. They they mention it a couple of times. So Tony Schiavone uh, and Dusty and, and Mike Tenim, they mention it a couple of times <laughs> throughout. So um, before we get into Starkey 97, Starkey always held in a December. Yeah, I December. think so. Yeah. I think it was like, it, that. like in the early days, I, I think they always say it was a great, like, market oh jesus sorry that was on my side uh it was a great market for wrestling in the like sort of between christmas and new year something for families to go to yeah catching um, the telly that sort of stuff uh-huh and i think it used to do pretty big business and that's you know in the old days where all the revenue kind of came from the gate rather than mm-hmm. from the tv deals and things like mm-hmm. that um and i've got memory of you know, WrestleMania was always undisputedly the biggest event that WWE would put on. And I think yes. for a while, Starcade was considered the biggest event for WCW. Although I'm sure Eric Bischoff said that over time, they kind of viewed started viewing Halloween Havoc as their, wow. their biggest. Um, really? Which is it's surprising to me. Um, but Starcade was around like before WrestleMania, I think. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, Starcade, I want to say, dating back to at least 81, 82, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. So before we get into this, well, I mean, this is a big pay-per-view on paper. Uh, we've got the culmination of 
I think, an 18-month storyline, essentially, with yeah. what should have been a culmination of an 18-month storyline. So we'll get into all that. Before we do, though, Adam, let's get your thinking cap on. It's December 1997. You are um, going to be generous. Just a just a, a cheeky little 15, 16-year-old. I would have just turned 17. So innocent. Just I know. T- 17. I mean, these days, kids playing football for Man U and getting paid 100 grand a week at 17. We were just paying 10p for our chomps. It's kind of crazy. Like, I'm pretty sure from 17, there was like one local pub that I was getting into without, you know, any questions. I basically had a full beard at 17, but. But yeah, you see, like the, the the people that are stars at that kind of age, I can't really get my head around that. Um, no. I was, I was, I'm sure thoroughly enjoying life, but you know, not maybe as much as um, a, a professional footballer uh, that's broken into the team at 17. It's, it's all know. different levels, you know. You never know. Albums released in December 1987. I could find one that. Um, that might be of relevance. Brian, an- another MTV Unplugged album. We spoke about one last week, uh, last time, Jay-Z's. This was Brian Adams' MTV Unplugged. Okay. This got a lot of play in my house. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I have no, no other albums, unfortunately. Film premieres. Premieres? Film premieres. Um, Tomorrow Never Dies from the, the old James Bond franchise, uh-huh. starring Pierce Brosnan at that time. And Spice World, the movie. Oh, my. Have you seen it? I've not. I've never actually seen it. No. Can't say I have either, but maybe one to look out. Probably well. better than Starcade 97. <laughs> <laughs> Probably could have watched it twice as well. S- in the time. Scripted better. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, it was at this time that our boy Ronaldo, Brazilian Ronaldo, uh, oh. won the first of his two Ballon d'Ors. Yeah, love that guy. Amazing. 1997, where would he be at that time? Barcelona still? Yeah, I think. I'm trying to remember. Did he maybe move in 97 to Inter Milan? Might have been 98. No, I, th- I think maybe moved 97. Um, yeah, before, player. before the, possibly before the knee. Yeah, yeah. Um, some births, Adam, 1997. DK Metcalf of the Seattle Seahawks was born in December okay. 97. He's okay. a big lad. Yep. Um, and I think you'll know who this is, Maud Apatow. Maud of, Apatow. Of, um, of Jude fame. Okay. <laughs> I think she's like the the 12-year-old child that like swears and stuff in oh, some yeah, of these... The kids are in the films, aren't they? I I kind of forget about that. Yeah, yeah. So knocked up and and things like that. That's like the where do babies come from speech. That's it. Yeah. Are we getting into that now? No, no, no. no, We'll we'll, we'll skip past that. Save it for the uh, save it for the group chat. (laughs) Um, Deaths, an unfortunate and I'd love to say untimely death, but I didn't take a note of what age he was. Shirley Crabtree, aka Big Daddy, okay. UK wrestling mm. um, legend. Unfortunately, a couple of weddings for you, Adam. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. Okay, that panned out well. <laughs> keep your keep her name out your mouth. And um, Woody Allen, 
got married to the adopted daughter of Mia Farrow. Jesus Christ. Unfortunately. Yeah. In December 1997. And Ludwig Borger called it quits in oh, the ring. Gutted. Oh. Now, obviously, December 97, we're coming right off the back of probably the most controversial um, booking decision, if that's what you want to call it, in, in wrestling history, but potentially, uh, in Montreal with WWF. Um, we've got the, the D, D Generation X in your house pay-per-view across the way. Um, and in ECW, they were on a pay-per-view called The Better Than Ever pay-per-view. That doesn't sound like an ECW name. It sounds less than extreme. It's like, like a kind of PG version of ECW. Anyway, yeah. MCW, mild championship wrestling, possibly. Yeah. Could it be? Yeah. Anyway, let's get through this and get to the wrestling. Okay, Adam, number one in the UK charts in right. December 1997. Bear in mind what I've said so mm -hmm. far. I know, mm -hmm. I know what it. you're getting at, and I remember there was a run of them. There was a run of Spice Girls Christmas number ones. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna be the Spice Girls. Mm -hmm. The problem I have... hold on, hold on, before you guess, the name of this song is also the name of a tag team that Scott Taylor it's and too... Brian Christopher were in. Too much. Too much. Too much. Yes, that helped a lot because I never would have got the song. the The band wasn't that hard to get, but I wouldn't have got the song. Fantastic! Uh, and in America, they were surprisingly. We had moved on to the Spice Girls in America. They were still in mourning over the death of um, a high-profile British person, um, and that was signalled by what was it? Number one in their charts. Okay, so, um, oh, what was it actually called? That Elton John number. Did Nailed it for it. Marilyn Monroe and then didn't give a fuck about her anymore, so redid it for Princess Diana. <laughs> uh, oh, what was it called? Can Candle in the Wind. How'd yeah. you get that? Because you're singing. Yeah, huh. it was outstanding. Two for two. Uh, in the UK box office? Um. Men in Black. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, the Spice Girls movie. Yes, well done. We'll forget that. We'll use the Men in Black Jujur thing and forget mm -hmm. you said it. And in America, it is not related to anything we've just said. Face Off. Amazing. No, but I love that that's what you guessed. <laughs> uh, Titanic in America. All right, okay. Okay. No idea when Titanic came out of you. No, I've not even any October. idea when Face Off came out. <laughs> I like that it could be just your default answer for things <laughs> that you don't know the answer to, like at work. <laughs> Does anyone know who's in this spreadsheet? Face Off! No. Oh, buddy, is that not like There's something wrong with Adam again? It used to pop up at the bottom when, when you played one of those NHL hockey games and you got to do the fighting. I think that's what used to pop up at the bottom of the screen. So face I off. probably shouldn't use it. Yeah, I think the words used to be just like <laughs> face off. So I shouldn't use that at work because I might end up getting in a scrap mm. that I would lose. 
No, you've watched a lot of wrestling in your time. You never know. Might translate like in Limitless. Yeah, you never know. I could try like locking in a camel clutch or something like that and see oh, how that going. That's not where I thought you were going. <laughs> Let's get on to this wrestling. Starcade 97. It sounds, and if you knew nothing about this before going in, and both of us kind of didn't really know that much about it, we obviously know bits and pieces, uh, particularly around the main event. But just seeing this cinematic video package that we get featuring Hogan and Sting, if you were sitting down to watch this, you'd be like, yes, this is going to be amazing. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And it, like, it got me, and I got the enthusiasm, and I'm thinking, you know, these are two of the biggest stars of all time, and they're going to be colliding here, and they've built it that, you know, this is kind of, I don't know if it's pitched as being their first match but they be, they do put it across that way that finally they're actually going to have a match between the two yeah. and they make it seem like such a big deal a hundred percent I love this sort of like I said cinematic way that they do this it presents Sting as this sort of almost mythical mm-hmm. character um, and yeah it's amazing and then they zoom right in on Sting and I think it's like his his eyeball, his iris is like the Starcade uh-huh. um, logo. No, that's cool. Yeah, very unlike WCW actually. Yeah, video packages have been piss poor, but no, this is good. Yeah. Um, okay, so Tony Schiavone, Rikishi, and Mike Tenay welcome us to. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's it's it's Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, where's did they ever tell us where Heyman is? They, they sort of referenced something, I think, later on at a point, maybe in the the battle between Bischoff and uh, I can tell, uh, Heenan. Big Larry, yeah, but where's Bobby Heenan? I can tell you. So before this pay per view, so this pay per view is billed as WCW versus NWO. Yep, kinda. And I'd like to talk about that because it, it's yanking my chain. But anyway, they had like an NWO Nitro before this, and Heenan, they didn't have an NWO um, commentator, and they came and they were going to kick ever they were going to kick Shivani and Tene and Heenan off the commentary booth, and uh, Heenan says something like, "I'll take one for the team," and he stays, and he's like, oh, "I'll be the NWO commentator," and then they are presenting, then come this pay-per-view, they're presenting it. It was supposed to be Tinney, Shivani, Dusty and Heenan on commentary. Heenan said to Shivani, like, I'm supposed to be, I'm now supposed to be the NWO commentator. It doesn't really make sense that all these guys at WCW and I'm NWO, so Shiv- eh, Bischoff told them to take the night off. Wow. Okay. It, it was missing for me I wouldn't have bought Heenan as the WCW as the NWO commentator. Nah, and I know he hates he Hulk is, Hogan. He yeah. hates Hulk Hogan. He's he's generally plays the role of the heel announcer, but it, yeah, I, I don't think you you would kind of need. I don't know if you wanted a proper NWO commentator in there, you'd probably need Bishop to step Bishop. back in the role. Yeah, yeah, but he's on the card. But it it, it, it lacked someone giving it from. Because all you get is Shivani going, yeah, give it to him. Yeah, uh-huh. give him another one. And it's so... I'm telling you, baby, this is all about destiny, baby, destiny, 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 baby. <laughs> that wasn't bad, you know. 
<laughs> I think he was being paid by someone to say the word destiny. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I said Rikishi. It was Dusty Rhodes. He did look an awful like an awful lot yeah. like um, early two thousands Rikishi. But he, here we are. We're welcomed by Shivani to the culmination of an eighteen month feud. Um, do you want to talk about this WCW versus NWO half arsed thing that they're doing just now? Yeah, I suppose we can do. Um, yeah, there's obviously, um, I don't know how far in we are here, 97, December 97. Try to remember when Hogan joined and aligned and made it. Oh, they keep they keep saying 18 months. It must be 18 months yeah. since like Hall turned. Uh, yeah, Scott Hall turned up on TV. Right. So, yeah, since then, the, the NWO have been uh, recruiting and growing in numbers. And basically, I believe there were some discussions internally about having them have their own show, um, mm-hmm. having it perceived as two groups. Um, you've got the, the sort of power dynamic between them and the traditional WCW guys who mostly just seem to get beat up all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got Sting as kind of the standalone um, guy that's never crossed over, but you know he's just a bit of a loner type character. He's not he's not necessarily even here affiliated with WCW. He just wants to stop the NWO and wants to stop Hogan and take the title. Um, and they talk a little bit through the show and as we're going about the fact that there's a match on the card between Eric Bischoff, who is running the company, but is aligned with NWO. I always found that a little bit doesn't quite make sense um i mean if you're that company you put a new figurehead in you fire him you know uh, uh, yeah anyway um that's from jj dylan so let's yeah. not be surprised <laughs> okay uh, so yeah he's he's fully officiate uh, affiliated with the nwo and he is going to be having a match later on with larry zabisco um that will determine from my understanding whether nitro <laughs> is going to become an NWO show or remain a WCW show, Uh, which again, (laughs) I think they're pushing things a little bit too far in terms of the storyline there. Um, And it feels to me like you've kind of gone away from this infiltrating group, which made so much sense and was so exciting at the start. Mm -hmm. And I totally Mm -hmm. understand why they couldn't continue legally indicating that they were from WWE and and, uh, trying to take over. But uh, yeah, in terms of storyline, it just feels a little bit all over the place by now for me. Yeah, that sums it up almost perfectly. Yeah, uh, my issue is here is that so, so on this show you're essentially saying I keep saying essentially it really bothers me. Um, you're saying that Larry Zabisco gets beat by Eric Bischoff and Nitro is an NWO show, right? How... Right, okay, and then. Sting is facing Hogan for the title. That's NWO versus WCW. We've got Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger on this card. That's WCW versus NWO. Yeah. Then we've got we've got DDP versus Kurt Hennig. That is also WCW versus NWO. But we've also got Guerrero versus Malenko, which none of them are affiliated with NWO. We've got God. What else have we got? Uh, We've got a f- Goldberg versus Mongo McMichaels. Both of them are affiliated with WCW. Mm. And there's another one, um, which I can't remember. But there's another w- uh, uh, Saturn versus Benoit or Raven yeah. versus Benoit, whatever one it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. 
so like, so the NWO win, and then are the NWO guys going to all fight each other on Nitro, or are they just going to like two hire their way the, through two hours? Hire all the WCW guys as uh, uh, enhancement talent. Just bring them in for one shot deals every week. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because where can you possibly go with it if it goes that way? And Thunder's think, not I a think, thing yet here, is there? They nah, don't have not, a second no, show. No. No. I think it would work for me better if it was all WCW versus NW. And and maybe they were totaling the score as they mm-hmm. go along. You might yeah. have had the commentary team seeing our jobs are in jeopardy here. Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen if but you, you never get anything like that. It's just yeah. all half booked, half uh-huh. baked, maybe. Um, yeah, it's weird. I, I, it, it feels like you would either go all or nothing. You would either have nothing but NW. And I get you, your title match. You can have that anyway. That doesn't need mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. um, underlined as, as what it is for the sake of a whole show. You could just have a normal card or every match be nw against wcw and yeah you can talk about maybe you know nw get all the title shots or have all the belts or whatever you know that that's your power dynamic within the show mm-hmm. you know it's, mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing it's maybe them then dictating who they're willing to face and things like that but <laughs> the show just changing hands in terms of who the performers are on it i can't imagine watching it back then I didn't watch much of this TV, maybe a little bit here and there, but I can't imagine thinking, oh, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, on this. Yeah. Yeah. Like the appeal of the NWO was that they're kind of rebellious fringe group mm-hmm. that were yeah. infiltrating. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make, it doesn't work when they're full of jobbers and, mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's get into some of this. Yes. Action. First match on the card. WCW Cruiserweight Championship. Dean Malenko is challenging Eddie Guerrero for his Cruiserweight Championship. And Eddie comes out carrying the bell over his shoulder like an absolute beast. <laughs> Much like Roman Reigns would start doing about 20 years ago. 20 years ago? 20 years wow. forward. <laughs> um, this, this, this to me had potential to be a really good match. Uh, what did you think of it? I didn't love it. Like <laughs> I, I struggled. I struggled to get into it. And I know we've had a couple of similar ones before. I like both the performers. Huge mm-hmm. Eddie Guerrero fan. He's had so many brilliant matches. Dean Malenko, you know, you know what you're going to get. He's a good worker. He can do plenty of moves. Big move set. Technical. Um, technically. Yeah, technically very, very impressive. And for a, he always came across to me when he's, remember, he, he had a lot of matches with in the cruiserweight division where he's maybe up against guys that are quite a bit smaller and he could look dominant in, in that mm-hmm. kind of role. Yes. Um, and yeah, it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't click for me. It just didn't really do it for me. I When I saw them come out, I thought this could be one of those really good it gets you up and gets you ready for the show starting and off to a bit of a flyer, but it just didn't really do it for me. No, me neither. I'm just checking to see. It only went 15 minutes, actually, but it really felt like it dragged. Yeah, it did. It, it, it felt like it peaked and then mm-hmm. came back in and peaked again and came back in. That yeah. didn't feel like there was any sort of um, continuity. Somebody was on top and then immediately somebody else would be on top. 
we're we're quickly going for the knee. Um, eventually, Eddie wins by frog splashing the knee, but he's never really worked it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Malenko was trying desperately to concuss Eddie Guerrero based on the power bombs he's given him. My God, <laughs> yeah, surprised he never broke the canvas. They were brutal. Yeah, and they they did. Um, um, they were selling the the damage quite a bit to. Uh, Malenko's knee towards the end when he was trying to go for offensive moves. Um, Eddie yeah. was going for quick ways of cutting him off just by going after the knee. Um, so at least I think you know they were telling a bit of a story of a match. It it just never, you know, you're you're kind of used to the the fast start and then maybe somebody getting on top and then the comeback and things like that. It did seem pretty back and forth, and I don't know. Yeah, that wasn't just... that wasn't there at all, was it? Nah, Is, Malenko's not exactly a. A hold the crowd in his hand type of guy, though. <laughs> no, he's not the most charismatic, bless him. Um, something that I did enjoy about this, and I had to rewind it and put the subtitles on, is D- Dusty does say that they're going to beat off the NWO, which I yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. We're going to beat them off. Um, did any of the see... other announcers react to it at all? I'm trying to remember. I, I can't remember. I don't think they did. Seems like yeah. the sort of thing that Shivani would go, What? Or something. <laughs> Um, I've never seen anybody frog splash a knee before. Normally, nope. if you get the knees up, that's the the counter. But yeah, I, 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 I like that sort of silly, sort of uh-huh. um, weird there's, behavior, unorthodox attack. There's, and there was a logic to it, you know, because if if you're selling yeah. the fact it's the knee you've been going after, yeah, do your finisher, but get the knee with it. So yeah, Eddie retains. All very uneventful apart for these power bombs and there's the yeah. wee spot where he he, he um he puts Eddie's Malenko's knee between the, the ring pole and the steps and drop kicks the steps. Mm-hmm. Vicious. Yeah. I love his I love his theme music. Yeah. It's a plus. That'll do. It feels like you're reaching a little bit, but okay. Okay. Um moving on, we got our first introduction of the NWO music. And out comes Scott Hall. <laughs> I've written here that the NWO are awful heels because everyone just loves them. Yeah. Which is kind of an issue. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was thinking, cause I, I was, as soon as we saw him, I thought, is he going to do his, um, his thing where he, he asked, the, yeah, his, his survey, his survey of the crowd. And I thought it maybe depends how they pitch it. Like, because I do think much as NWO are, are over massively, the crowd were there to see Sting win, win the world title. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like. Um, yeah, he's, I, he's he's always just like, I don't know, there's something so cool about Scott Hall. It's... Yeah, he's very um, very laid back here. I was a little bit concerned about his well-being. He seemed to be talking almost too slow. You know that whole thing where Triple H tells people to slow down and once you've yeah. slowed down, slow down again. I think he was maybe yeah. be working on that basis. <laughs> so, so we're supposed to have the Giant versus Nash on this pay-per-view and Scott Hall has come out to tell the fans that the what does he call him? The muscular marvel or something odd like that. Yeah, um, like won't that. be there. He's not he's not wrestling the giant tonight. And if you've got a problem with that you can meet him down there. And then somebody in the crowd shouts, down where? Down where, you say? You know where. And that's all he says. 
<laughs> I was thinking when he was doing that, if this was somebody else, how like <laughs> flat the segment would have fallen. But I don't know, he somehow just gets away with it. However it was... nonsensical it is, he just kind of gets away with it. It's like the suffering succotash Roman Reigns line. Uh, um, I, there was one thing I wasn't sure about on here. Well, it's a few things, but they, <laughs> they're, we're sort of told that the their Scott Hall's wearing a, a tag team title that isn't the real tag team title. And yep. he makes a big point of introducing himself as one half of the real tag team champions and Kevin Nash as the other half. Um, was that more covered on, on the Nitro? Uh, in terms of what um, was something there. to do with the Steiners. The Steiners, I think they maybe cheated their way to beating the Steiners or something like that. Okay. Um, the stuff with Nash. Nash was actually supposed to be wrestling the Giant on this pay per view, but he had a heart issue. Um, Is that when that was? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Remember hearing about that because I think he got a real proper fright and his dad had died quite young from a heart attack as well. That was aye, That was the whole thing. Yeah. Um, they end up going, I want to say the next month, and that's that classic match where he drops Big Show on his head oh. that we he so enjoyed watching. Oh. Yeah. But anyway, Hall says Nash won't be here. You can meet him down there. Down there. Um, he says, tell Frank and Goof to get out. Get a ref out here. Get Frank and Goof out here and starts doing this like kind of zombie walk, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, big yeah. show, uh, giant comes out, starts hoying haul about the ring, sort of comedy fashion. Jackknife power bombs him, and that's our angle. Yep. I thought I thought this was maybe taking Hall out of the because he's supposed to be in Bischoff's corner uh, later on yeah. against Bisco. I assumed this was taking him out of that. Okay. But but no, nah, yeah. just appears. Appears. Yeah. Nah, he's fine. Just need to. Fine now. Yeah. Um, to help him get out the ring, out comes Vincent and Scott Norton. Uh, they then head to the back and come straight back out as their music hits. Yep. But um, so we've got a six-man tag team match. It's supposed to be Vincent, Scott Norton, and Conan of the NWO okay. taking on the Steiners and Ray lives in a trailer. <laughs> uh, apparently, Conan had a personal issue so at this point in time we're looking at three versus two um, and then the macho man's nwo music hits i think we see elizabeth first and shivani bursts into excitement <laughs> 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 and then we get savage um, yeah. i've got a little bit of, a little bit of backstage information about this match do you want to hear go for it you might know so it was apparently late notice that they found out that Conan couldn't wrestle. Savage wasn't supposed to be on the card, but they asked him last minute, and it says the only way he would be involved if he if he gets the pin. Um, <laughs> but he refused to go over Ray Trailer because he thought he was a jobber, so it had to be one of the Steiners that he pinned. <laughs> Brilliant! Brilliant! Um, but the, because trailer and the Steiners were supposed to win, but then that happened and Oh no. That's classy. Oh. Do you know what kinda of struck me in this? I've always wondered when exactly it happened because I, I, being a WWF guy as a kid, 
you know, I think the Steiners came in and were there for a little while, but not that long. And I really liked them, found them very impressive. In, in WWF? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, you know, got more into watching some of the WCW stuff. You know, it was like, I don't know, late night on ITV or something like that. And then later on one of the one of the Sky channels uh, where you would see a bit of Nitro. And at some point, really quickly, Scott Steiner went from being the slimmer, more uh, mobile one to absolutely ridiculous uh, mm -hmm. in terms of his physique. And when they started coming out, I was looking, trying to work out, is he already? And he, he basically is. He's almost there in terms yeah. of getting to Big Papa Pump size. Um, but yeah, I'd, sort of the, I'd love to see pictures through the months, you know, just to work out exactly when like that a, happened. A time lapse of him from mm -hmm. mullet to blonde hair. <laughs> it, like, it's, it's believable to think that's a different person, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's crazy. Um, what do you think? Of it? I mean, Scott, what is Randy Savage doing in a match with fucking Virgil and Scott Norton? Yeah, I mean, because it's it is totally B squad, but mm -hmm. Randy Savage, it, it feels he he feels out of place on that team. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think. I didn't have high hopes in terms of how, how good a match this was going to be. Um, I, I, I enjoy seeing Savage every time I see him. You see him doing his bits like his double axe handle and stuff like that off the ropes. Um, they were clearly, even at this point, they were playing up to Scott Steiner's power. That was a factor through the match. Mm -hmm. um, he was kind of the powerhouse in there. Um, Vincent just <clears throat> taking a lot of punishment. <laughs> Yes, he over does. And over again. Um, yeah, you've got the, the dog-faced gremlin, Rick Steiner. He has his moment where he just wrecks the entire NWO team. Um, lifts Vincent on his shoulders. Scott yes. DDTs Vincent from the top rope. Yes. <laughs> That's rough. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the finish, though. No, it's not. That's broken up by Norton, that one. And you get... Uh, Scott Steiner with a, a suplex on Savage. Scott has Savage in the corner, standing on the ropes, unleashing punches. But there comes Norton, sneaking up behind, lifts Scott onto his shoulders, drops him to the mat, and then we get the, the glory moment from the Ooh. match. Savage drops the elbow from the top rope, which, you know, the fans are well into when he does it. Oh, they, yeah. they absolutely love pop. it. Yeah. yeah. The best best part of the match for me, with the exception of Virgil getting DDT'd off, <laughs> off Rick's shoulders, which is ridiculous, is Savage coming out and going back up the aisle. And you've got, uh, up the aisle, you've got quite a bunch of WCW wrestlers who aren't booked on the show, but they're booked mm -hmm. to be sitting and supposedly supporting WCW. You've got guys like Glacier, Mortis, uh, the Harlem Heat earlier, Rey Mysterio. And Savage is just like doing these whole like like rabbit punches <laughs> towards them. Like <laughs> that's class. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a class act. Uh, a difficult match to sit through. How long did that go for? And did it get five stars? Oh, it got half a star. Oh, yeah, it went 12, 12 minutes. Yeah. Felt like it. So um, we now go to Mean Gene, and he is with our guy, JJ Dillon. Uh, they've been talking up how important this match is throughout so far in the commentary 
that uh, they don't trust, really, they don't trust an official to take charge of this. They don't want somebody playing sides, WCW or NWO. So JJ Dillon has decided the fairest way to make sure that the, the Sting versus Hogan match is going to be officiated um, in a in an independent way is to do a lottery and pick somebody at random. Yeah. Uh, uh, there was a few things going through my mind here. I mean, you're leaving yourself open to a hell of a lot of risk. You're doing it that way. And if you've got any that have, you know, in the past maybe shown some uh, favouritism, some pretty strong favouritism one way or another, just take take theirs out. Just take their name out of the equation. Just, you know, have it among the guys that you're pretty confident in. Like, yeah, put little Nate in. Just, yeah. he's a nice guy. He's a straight shooter. Mm-hmm. I tell you, he's not a straight shooter. Nick Patrick. But of course, of course, that's who it will be that's well, refereeing this I mean, match. you say that, but I'm going to just look out for Nick Patrick actually doing anything wrong as the night progresses. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, doing anything wrong in a kayfabe <laughs> sense. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, moving on. So Nick Patrick, that's it decided. He'll be the, the ref for Sting Hogan. Um, next up, a terrible, terrible day to have eyes. It's Goldberg versus Steve Mongo McMichaels. I have zero notes apart from what a terrible day to have eyes. This <laughs> is... Who... Like... So at this point in time, he's still Bill Goldberg. They're not talking about a streak or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pay-per-view debut. This had been a running thing where he stole Mongo's uh, Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. It's the most personality Goldberg probably ever got to show, apart from shouting, you're <laughs> next, and laughing. Oh. <laughs> this is really, really bad. It's- it's one of the worst matches I've ever seen. And, and like, I remember... Six, it's six minutes long. We we watched... There was a show we watched. Um, I think it was a WCW show where there was, like, all this hardcore wrestling going on in the ring and there's, like, split Nasty screen boys. and all that. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, absolutely yeah. awful. And this feels like some sort of singles match version of that without maybe all the weapons. It was just unwatchable. Um, it was. Why, like, this is a guy, Goldberg, and yeah, I think some would maybe argue he was kind of green the entire way through his WCW run. But, yeah, let's let's make his longest match to date in there with a non-fucking wrestler. What? Where's the logic in any of that? That's madness. (sighs) I was thinking, we've seen this before, it's uh, uh, Brad Brad Armstrong. I was thinking it's Brad Armstrong that's coming out here. We've seen this, have we not? But no, it was Mongo. Oh, I, I, I really dislike him. Yeah. Anyway, should we just move on? Remember his match against Bulldog? Like, this was worse than that, and that was awful. Yeah, I, I think the only thing I would mention is uh, Michael tried to lift Goldberg for something called the Mongo Spike, but his back gives out. And then I couldn't believe there was someone called the Mongo Spike. But then uh, Goldberg does his jackknife power slam for the win. That's it. And oh, my notes end with that was shit. <laughs> so it's a fair, <laughs> fair summation of things. Uh, next up, no music. It's Raven. Um, he has come out and he's grabbed the microphone 
and sat in the corner as he does with his sort of pissed off looking face uh, and this I love this because he says when he signed his contract with WCW he made them aware that he would not what what is the phrase he uses conform he would not conform to the rules yeah. I'm thinking that is exactly what you do when you sign a contract that's, that's what you agree to Johnny Polo what are you doing <laughs> It's supposed um, to be a very intelligent man as well. You think he might well, make a mistake like that? Maybe he has like sick boy read over his contracts or something mm, for him. Yeah. Or Hammer, Van Hammer. Um, yeah. So he says, I've decided not to wrestle tonight. In real life, he's apparently got a, a swollen pancreas or, or a, and something okay. like that. So fair, fair enough. Um, instead, he is going to have <laughs> Perry Saturn. <laughs> wrestle for him and he's an intelligent look at look <laughs> i was kind of thinking when he was coming out i was thinking if you if you merged current day sean michaels with dax harwood that is perry saturn <laughs> wow um so i so saturn's part of the flock at this point in time he's going to be the one to take on benoit benoit's had a run in issue with uh, Raven and as part of that, the flock this is a Raven's rules match they don't tell you that again until about halfway through it when people start attacking Benoit and you're like, that'll be the end of the match (laughs) this is, remember folks this is a Raven's rules match (laughs) they're uh, they're trying to sell the fact that apparently Benoit's been due a match with Raven for four weeks in one way or another these matches just keep not happening. Uh, He's dodging them. Yeah, um, yeah. The, I, I always quite liked Saturn in in ring as a performer. There's something he's he's got a look that catches your eye. He's he's definitely got an eye catching look. But like some of the some of the moves he used to like, I've got right at the start. Saturn with a cool looking suplex kind of throw thing. Um, yep. I, I I liked him. He's a good I, brain buster as well. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, I know he he, um, he maybe didn't have the... Well, certainly when they got to WWE, he didn't have the longest run there. Um, and I think some issues maybe impacting that. But uh, Mo- I, I quite liked him as a... Are you referring that, that, to Moppy? Yeah, that creative wouldn't have helped, I wouldn't have thought. Wouldn't have thought. He got that as a, as a um, punishment for something, didn't he? Did yeah, he beat so. up a development guy or something? Yeah, I think that's right. Um I quite like the presentation of Benoit here, this long hair, the, the mm. leather waistcoat, and his absolutely awful attempt at a Raven-esque um, promo <laughs> that, that we mentioned earlier. But when they get in the ring and they start going, intensity is the <laughs> word we always use with the Benoit matches, and um, that was not lacking here. A lot of sore-looking stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of looked like they were both just laying it in, and I know there was a kind of a a lot of times just an understanding between two formers, two performers that yeah, we're just going to make this look real, so we're laying it in a bit. And, and yeah, you get the impression Saturn might be quite up for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I said, we get lots of flock member involvement in the match interference, Kidman, Sick Boy, um, what was the other person I mentioned? Van Hammer. Yeah. They're all here. Uh, Raven himself doesn't get involved though at all um what was i say oh, i've written here that why is there 
unity between the WCW stars, but they're also fighting each other. That's what we've obviously spoke about. Um, yeah. at, at one point, that like as a Benoit match, loads of big chops between the two of them. Um, at one point, Saturn's got him on the ground, pretty much smack bang in the middle of the ring, and he just runs towards the corner, runs up the ropes, and hits a moonsault. It's a bit like a yep. kid doing parkour or something like that. It's amazing. Yeah, really impressive. Yeah, like yep. Um, Saturn does what most people tend to do against Benoit. He starts working the neck quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and it's at this point in time they pan and to Greg Valentine in the crowd, and I've got yeah. Greg Valentine sat there looking like someone's auntie. I noticed that. I did. <laughs> That's I think the perfect description. Like, uh, yeah, I think I was thinking Granny when I was looking, but no, auntie <laughs> works because uh, yeah, he, and he he always just kind of looked like that, even in his <laughs> like. Is Hady? He seemed to look exactly like that. Yeah, it's kind of like the Arn Anderson thing. Like he's just—he mm-hmm. just always looked the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really weird. Um, Benoit gets the—he goes for a baseball slide um, to Saturn on the outside. Saturn steps it to the side, and uh, Benoit manages to slap a cross face on, but it's outside the ring. So obviously, the the flock take their opportunity to beat up Benoit. However, Saturn's a bit silly and, and goes for a, a Saiyan moonsault and just hits all the flock yep. um, uh, in, instead of Benoit. Uh, we get in the ring, huge flying headbutt, and it looks like it could be over, but the flock are back in. They attack. Raven hits his sweet-ass DDT, the even-flow DDT. Yep. Um, and we get the rings of Saturn and it's over. Yep. Um, the DDT is the best thing in that. Maybe that moonsault. Yeah, and the, again, there was the Brain Buster by Saturn, which always does look pretty good. Um, it does. And, yeah, you know, they're they're not hurting Benoit. It's obvious it's a numbers game. And, um, and if it wasn't, he would uh, be coming out on top in these matches. And I suppose it just mm. continues with him trying to get to Raven and probably being blocked off for a while. It's genuinely one of the the only matches on the card where I thought, oh, like they've. I would be keen to see what happens next. I'm mm-hmm. keen to see Benoit get his hands on Raven. Yeah, and you know it's building and it's eventually going to come. And it is one of those where you're just watching and you want you want Benoit to kick Raven's ass, and that's the whole mm-hmm. point of it. And that's the whole point of holding off on doing it because um, it'll build up more and more and more. So yeah, I'd be I'd be keen to see it actually happen. A match between the two. I hate to tell you, but we did actually see it happen when we were, we were watching through 1998. Oh, um, it's back clearly not then. very memorable. I, yeah. I do think we got quite a lot of Benoit, DDP, Raven, three-way dances. And, yeah, um, we did. Or singles between two of that three. Uh, yep. Quite a lot. Yep. Yep. Uh, let me just check what the next match gets because, boy... Um, oh, you'll yes. never believe this, it gets half a star as well. Oh, okay. Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger. Um, they don't give us much backstory. I don't think it's Buff. No. Oh, Buff's, Buff's, I think they've maybe had three matches, or this is a third match, and Buff's beat him every time. But it's been from NWO uh, fuckery, uh, as you would expect. Um, so I think they're playing off here that Luger's clearly 
the better, bigger wrestler, but Bagwell mm-hmm. seems to be um, stealing the matches. Yeah. Uh, right at the very start, you get a classic face move from Luger. He spits at Bagwell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bagwell bumps for it as well, which I liked. And by I liked, I meant wanted to fast forward. <laughs> I'm afraid I didn't take very many notes here. This is a long match. I've, I've got a few. I can walk through it if you want. It's not 17 great. minutes they went. They, Imagine they, that. They very quickly position Luger as physically dominant. Uh, he does a press slam uh, on Buff. Buff kind of fakes to be leaving, but comes back down with Vincent. Um, fight each other on the outside. Luger still in control, um, but there's a Vincent distraction that sees Bagwell get into the match. Every a lot time of distraction Bag- from Vincent in this match. <laughs> Every Isn't time. That? Yeah, loads. Every time Bagwell does an offensive move, he then distracts the ref and Vincent attacks on the outside. It's an ongoing theme for quite a while. Um, after being dominated for quite a while, Luger counters with a kick to the face and a clothesline. Uh, Bagwell locks in a sleeper for a while. Um, <laughs> it does a, a good five minutes this match. It, I think. it felt. How long does this match go? Seventeen. <laughs> oh Jesus! Why uh, did you do that? Luger hits a suplex to break the sleeper. Uh, back body drop and clothesline. Uh, clotheslines by Luger. Um, atomic drops by Luger that I've got in my notes were absolutely nowhere near having any effect on anything. And it is a thing with atomic drops. They often don't look great, but these, I think, must have looked specifically bad. Um, a suplex by Luger, but Vincent is climbing the turnbuckle. Luger throws Vincent off the turnbuckle. Luger into throws buff. Vincent into buff, clotheslines Vincent to the outside, Ref's telling Luger to get off Buff. Uh, Buff knocks Luger into the ref, who goes down. Luger gets Buff into the torture rack. I don't know why this has just come into my mind, but have you ever seen there's like a a gif where there's a a dad in the crowd of a WCW match (laughs) jumping up and down with his kid in the torture rack on his back? (laughs) No. It's amazing. Amazing. yeah, so I don't know why that entered my mind, but hey-ho. Um, Savage comes down and breaks the torture rack, but Luger press slams Savage. Luger then with a torture rack on Savage. Um, Scott Norton comes down, punches Luger with Rick Steiner's dog collar, I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, Norton puts uh, Buff into the cover, wakes up the ref, and Bagwell... Oh, I've, I've been a bit sassy in my notes. Buff Bagwell beats Lex Luger clean in the middle of the ring. <laughs> um, and then uh, Miss Elizabeth runs down to help Savage. <sighs> Awful. Yeah. I think Lex classic. Luger's just one of those people that's only as good as the person that's in the ring with him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that we've definitely seen some stuff where I was a wee bit pleasantly surprised by him. But um, yeah, I think I you're probably he had right. a really good match with Steamboat. Um, was that like the 89. American, yeah. Great American Bash. Yeah. Brilliant. And again, yeah, you're probably exactly right. It depends who he's in there with, what he's capable Tatanka, of. Tatanka, a couple of classics, but mm, maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. 
Shall we move on? Yeah. To another NWO versus WCW match. Um, very excited to see Kurt Hennig coming out and he's the old blue singlet type thing he used to wear. Yeah. Uh, reminiscent of Mr. Perfect. It was. Yeah. Um, he appears to be the US champion. Championship. He appears to be US champion. He's defending his title against Diamond Dallas Page. Does Diamond Dallas Page in kayfabe have horrendous ribs? I don't know because I don't know how much they actually play up to it, but he is wearing something on them. He's got sort of tape or something bandaging around, around that kind of area. So maybe. I feel like he wore, wore that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. The jeans. Yeah. He, he looks a bit. Um, God almighty, his name's went right in my head. Canadian Crazy as a Fox. What's his name? Brian Pil- Pilman. Brian Pilman. Pilman. Yeah. I, I thought he looked a bit like uh, Brian Pilman mm. here. I think he must be fairly fresh in his career, but I, th- I think uh, DDP here, mm-hmm. um, I know he started late. Yeah. Uh, but he's obviously climbs the ranks pretty quickly. Yeah, um, they've gone with a wee bit. That, so they've got a little bit of storyline on the go where we hear DDP stole the belt from Henning. Again, I assume DDP is in a babyface role here. Um, but good old JJ Dillon stepped in, took it off him, got it back to uh, Henning and told DDP he had to win it, not steal it. Inspirational stuff from uh, <laughs> JJ Dillon. <laughs> now sit down, do your homework. <laughs> Uh, I was looking forward to this match, but much like most of the things on this card, it was incredibly under- underwhelming. Yeah. And a little bit shit. Yeah. I was more enjoying the occasional, like, almost like Mr. Perfect spots. Like yep. when he takes a big punch and spins over the ropes and stuff like that. Yeah. He did that yeah. in a moment. And it it was that th- that was the only real things I found interested in the match, to be honest. There was a good bit where the crowd pans to uh, Steve Austin as the real icon sign um, in December 1997, I quite like that. Uh, They refer to the Perfect Plex as the Hennig Plex, and I had to be violently sick in the toilet. Yeah, it's not good. Um, A lot of the time... (laughs) Sorry. A lot of the time... Perfect's trying to work these ribs things that the DDP's wearing. He he tries to rip it off, and he's ah, yeah, he's he going to work yeah. here. Uh, I've got set. I've got something written here that I think Dusty starts speaking and has zero idea where his sentences are going. He was clearly <laughs> on one during this match. Like that's not a revelation for Dusty, but it, it really is at times. It's like that thing where he started speaking about destiny. And they asked him something pretty straightforward about Sting and Hogan, and he was mm, just off he went about destiny. Anyway, it's funny because he's sort of, you know, he's considered to have been such a good promo, and I've seen some that are incredible. Um, But yeah, he's not good as an announcer. It's just not his environment. It it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Nah, it's it's like it's almost like comedic relief. Yeah, where, where it's not really needed. Uh, should we jump? Can we jump straight to the finish of this? Because yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was sucky. Um, <laughs> you know, The Rock used to do the whole barrel right round the arms thing, almost like in a crucifix, but he'd come all the way back round and hit a DDT. 
Yep. Um, it looked beautiful. DDP cannot do that and instead just kind of wee and jumped around his body. Yeah. <laughs> the diamond cutter. Yeah. It looked really shit. I wonder if it felt like it worked to them when they were doing it. Yeah, I was thinking in terms of timeline, would the rock have been doing things like this at this point? Maybe just started Poss- doing that possibly. kind of thing. Mm, uh... I wonder if DDP's seen it on TV. And, ah, I've got to steal that, and then he's rewatched his and thought, oh, I won't bother trying that again." It's kind of like the, you see these videos on Instagram of people trying to like do like pole dancing, and you know, like this is what I think I'm doing, and then doing it, and the pole yeah. comes flying down, and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Diamond Dallas Page wins the title. It's Diamond Cutter. We're building Diamond Cutter at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Kurt Hennig wasn't Kurt Hennig that we yeah. idolised. It's a shame. He's yeah, he's he's done by this point, unfortunately. I would question if he could even shoot a basketball uh, with his back turned to the mm-hmm. net. Yeah, sad times. Yes. No Rick Rude at this point. He must still been in DX. Did he not leave straight after the screw job? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, he did. Ah, because he was boys yeah. with Bret Hart. You're right. Yeah, he's maybe he's already night, been featured and, and then gone. Mm. <laughs> gone nah. from the spotlight, maybe. Maybe he, he definitely he was with Perfect or uh, with Hennig for a while. Yeah, the that might not be yet. Actually, that might be to come. I, th- I feel like we saw some of that um, paid up happening. So yeah, that's maybe still to come because I think they they. Those two go way back in terms of like before they they made it to the major leagues, I think. Right, nice. He was um, he was famously on Nitro and Raw on the same night, wasn't night. he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Only person ever, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so do you notice? Have they referred to Bret Hart yet? The commentary team. Mm, don't think so. If if they have, it's fleeting. Mm. Probably the biggest. Star in wrestling, with, with maybe with the yeah. exception of Alex Hogan, um, yeah. not referred to yet. Um, so we go to the next match. This is for control of WCW Nitro. It's the legend Larry Zabisco taking on Eric Bischoff of the NWO. Our guest ref is Bret the Hitman Hart. And if anybody knows about being screwed by a ref, it's me. Okay, Bret. Okay, mate. <laughs> Realistically, you were screwed by the owner of the company, not the referee. Although Earl did tell him that he swore on his kids that he wouldn't do it. He did. Poor Earl, though. What a situation he ended up in. Like, there's some. Is it poor Earl, Earl, though? He didn't need to do that. I think he did. He would have lost his job if he hadn't. I mean, he didn't need to swear to Brett the night before. Well, but I believe at that time he wasn't aware of any attempted shenanigans. I think it was just before they went out that he was made aware of that. Um, so, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Bret Hart. Right, We're both big fans. Brilliant in-ring worker. Uh, maybe greatest of all time. Definitely right up there. Yep. Um, we, I think, have been of the same opinion that the criticism of his promos was unjustified. Like based Agreed. on what we saw in WWE, he was actually pretty good a lot of the yeah. time on the yeah. mic. But there's something here about him in everything in the way he's acting and speaking to people and ev- everything around it. I don't know. It, it's it's not the same. It's like it's not the same 
person. It's so weird for me. Like, I know we don't see him in a match here as such. He's uh-huh. in. He's uh-huh. about to be in a referee role. But even his remonstrations with people, when he's speaking to people, it doesn't come across as authentic in the way it mm. did in WWE. It's it's strange. Do you know what's weird? And I, th- I think this is the case in 1987. If say, um, let's say the same thing had happened, and and I don't know who who Sting had been screwed the same way that Bret Hart had been screwed. And WWF brought him in and he was going to referee I don't know who was Austin versus Michaels. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'd have him come out in jeans and a plain t-shirt? Nah. Or do you think they would brand him with a with a you know a t-shirt or anything to make him no look Some... like this just generic massive guy? Yeah, I wondered if there was any like Bret Hart has come across and he's still Bret Hart. Do you think there was any like risk of say he'd come out wearing the leather jacket or something like that, you know, just mm, had a mm. very Bret Hart look. Do you think they were in any way worried about anything legal? Litigation, from... maybe. Yeah. Pink and black. Mm-hmm. I can't uh, remember if he ever had that in WCW. I think he wore pink and black. I think he wore a leather jacket too. His music yeah. was god awful. <laughs> Just generic rock music, much like a lot of the WCW guys. Yeah. Anyway, we've got Zabisco. I don't know that much about Zabisco's actual wrestling career, do you? I know he was in the ring with like said Bruno Sammartino and Yeah. He um, was definitely in the AWA um where, you know, a lot of talent went through. And I think he and Scott Hall go back to then. I think they, right. a very young Scott Hall had matches with him back then. Right. Um, and he was one of the guys that was brought in when, um, I remember seeing this in a documentary, you know how every every territory was pretty precious about, you know, their champion didn't get beat and things like yeah. that. Um, and then you had the um, NWA trying to, cooperatively agree who the champion would be and do touring of areas and things like that. Yep. I think when the AWA, I don't, I think maybe everyone had their own championships at this point, but they, they wanted to do a, like a feud with Memphis and it was Jerry Lawler and Kerry Von Erich as the champions. And it was going to be a unified champion uh, after mm-hmm. that. So loads of political debate and discussion. Yeah. So I, th- I think Lawler won and then basically refused to fight in that territory again and just went back to Memphis. <laughs> I think saying they hadn't paid him or something like that, um, that they brought in Larry Zabisco to become their new champion and oh, okay. uh, kind of built around him for a while. Um, and he was a bit more, um, I think, solid in terms of he stuck around and did everything that was asked of him and stuff like that. Um, so he was definitely there for quite a while. And you know, do things like living legend like who, who is he which doesn't help when yeah. you're trying to build that as a as a moniker but um I'd, when i first started watching i knew the name but it's only through some of these old, like old documentary type things that i've sort of learned a little bit about his career interesting um i i i, I really don't know much about my tone I, I don't it's not like you don't say wcw and think of you know, like even eighties and uh, and whatever you don't, you, you know, you think yeah, funk yeah. and flair and steamboat and sting, uh-huh. yeah. Vader, 
I mean, I, I mostly think about him at an announce desk in uh-huh. WCW. That's that's kind of how I would associate him. So so anyway, he's he's representing WCW here. Bischoff, I, I really don't like seeing Bischoff with no top on. It's horrible. <laughs> he's got he's he's doing the whole like Taekwondo uh-huh. gimmick. He um, he's talking on on Nitro how his 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 legs and arms are deadly weapons and all this nonsense. Um, he's got Scott Hall backing him up. There, yeah. there was one moment quite early in this that made me laugh, and it was just Scott Hall and being a bit of a dick, I think. Yeah, he... Um, Brain kick. He t- so Bischoff has been trying to hit and run the entire time. He's been in and out of the ring, just trying to land one punch and then, then run out. And he goes to, like, talk strategy with Scott Hall, who, who yeah, tells him to go full karate kid and does the, the sort of pose from the kick at the the end of the film uh, which it got me it just made me laugh that ah, was funny i like that as well um the kind of story of this match is that bret hart is kind of favoring bischoff yeah throughout the match what he's really doing is just referring it's uh, refereeing it straight down the middle mm-hmm. and not letting Zabisco punch him after five in the corner or or making him let go of submissions when he's, he reaches the ropes, these sort of things. But the commentary team are out, outraged mm-hmm. that, and they're saying he is, uh, Dusty's referring to him as a tweener all the time. Yeah. He's not a tweener. Just because he's not like, giving his allegiance to the NWO or WCW. Um, but they're, they're playing it like Brett's going to go with the, the NWO. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how long this goes, but but jumping, was it go eleven minutes? Um, jumping towards the end because once Sabisco gets his hands on him, he just starts throwing him around the ring and beating him up, basically, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. But at one yeah. point, at one point, Brett is pulling Sabisco back from the corner. Hall jumps up and puts a allegedly a steel plate under. Bischoff's, what has he even got on his feet? They look like clogs. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what. I take it these are to be. competitive taekwondo shoes or something. Possibly. Um, yeah. He puts his a steel plate under his foot, and then Bischoff goes to to hit Zabisco with a high kick, and it goes flying <laughs> away into the crowd before it even connects, which is brilliant. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I know you messaged me about this. Do you think it was supposed to connect and then fall out or something like that? Do you think there was supposed to be a bit more there? Yeah, um, I, I suspect it wasn't supposed to go flying out his foot before he like, even connected. As I was watching Scott Hall put it in there, I can't think what else could possibly have happened there. It was always going to go flying. Yeah. And Brett kind of just watches it like, oh, what yeah. f- oh shit. What have I done? I should have taken that ten-year contract and made yeah. sure that Vince just gave me it. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll do it on half the pay just to uh, bring me back. <laughs> I'll so, apologise so, to Sean and everything. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where this all breaks. It's not been bad, you know. Like it's a spectacle. It's not a yeah. wrestling match. It's fine. It is what it is. But this is where this breaks down because I guess he was supposed to KO him and then Brett was supposed to find it or something. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't work out that way, and just Brett just turns around and punches Bischoff. 
That's like, all right, okay. What? No. The whole thing was is that Brett's the 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 guest referee because he he got screwed by a referee. Now he's the screwer. He would. That's Brett Hart. He would do that. Oh, yeah, he, he, um, I, I, I don't know why this this was my favourite bit of the whole Brett interaction was when he puts Scott Hall in the sharpshooter just after because I was thinking, oh yes, give me some Brett versus some, Scott some Hall razor matches. Brett, yeah, yeah, yeah bring too. it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm there for that. So, yeah. I don't, I don't even. How did this match finish? I don't even know how it so finished. Brett announces the Bisco winner by DQ, which means Nitro will oh. still be a WCW show. Um, Imagine the, the, the... Yeah. <laughs> a I, match for Nitro and it's a DQ finish. We we sort of go back to. I think we both have somewhere or another read or heard the words from Vince McMahon. WCW will not know what how what to, to use do. Bret Hart. And yeah, if you're Brett and you've just done the your your big debut is as a special guest referee in a match between Larry Zabisco and Eric Bischoff. I mean, this is arguably the best wrestler in the world. One and by this point certainly one of the biggest names in wrestling. And that's how they're using them on his like pay per view debut for the company. Ah, oh, it just seems such a waste. Yeah, yeah. I was doing the whole like. There's not much you have to change actually about this to make it relatively okay. Like, don't have him guest referee this match. Don't even debut him on TV. Have him come out after the the fast count in the main event and say, "No, I know what it's like to be screwed by a referee. That's not happening here." Restart the match. I'll referee the match. Like that, make that his debut. Imagine the pop. Because they, in the end, I suppose we'll get to it. But they they try to right. justify. Well, he's he's a licensed referee for the night. You know, and they're like, oh, okay. I bet I bet right. it's today that says that. It sounds like a today thing. <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> so, so let's get it. We, we get no build up. With obviously, I mean, we've had two two hours fifteen minutes of build up, but but no. F- package which would have been nice because they could have done a really good package mm-hmm. of the whole sting in the rafters sting beforehand with the blonde hair look what the nw was driven him to he's not even got on the tanning bed um but anyway here we go um we get michael buffer sounding like what What are the drugs that they take in the wolf of wall street you know the ones that make them go really really slow oh yeah, you know, and Leo's like out the car trying to climb across. The, I can't remember uh-huh. what they're called. Yeah, the, the, the likes of Shawn Michaels and them used to talk about taking them. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Michael Buff, Buffer sounds like he cannot be arsed <laughs> at all. I've never really heard them like this before. Uh, champion out first. Yep. Nah. Controversial. I get it. I get it because they want to make the Sting entrance huge, which is ironic given what the state what they do um, during the match. <laughs> um, so Hogan's out first. This man is the leader <laughs> of the NWO. Um, I think he's on his own. I don't think Bischoff's. Yeah, with him, is he? no, he comes out on his own. I'm sure. Yeah, a really cool Sting entrance. 
Uh, yeah. To the to their credit, I, I like this thing entrance. I was wondering, is he coming from the skies? Uh, will he the, fly in the helicopter and take the roof off? <laughs> the, the, the kids' voices caught me a wee bit off guard. Oh, I was like, hi. "Oh, that's a bit creepy. What is that?" <laughs> that's quite cool. <laughs> um, yeah, this this uh, sold sting to me is like like Stone Cold Killer sort of mm-hmm. thing. The, um, the crow gimmick was cool. Like oh, the, the the whole uh, and I, I think. It's kind of was it not Scott Hall that was given quite a lot of the credit for for helping create that and coming up with, so. the, with the basic yeah. idea. It is just cool and it suits him and it works and the way that they've played his character with it works. Um, he's a loner. He's you know coming from the darkness. He's got vengeance on his mind. You know all, all these things. It's just a pretty cool gimmick. Indeed, I a hundred percent agree. But do you know what does not make sense and does not work? Sad. Having Hogan dominate him for about twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and he's he's berating and belittling him a lot as well. Like verbally, you can hear some of it. He keeps calling him hero in a really derogatory way. <laughs> uh, just like, come on, hero. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like this would be one of those times well, there's a match you know when uh, Goldberg completely stuns Lesnar um, was that one of the Survivor series we watched yeah yeah like that would work here mm-hmm. have Sting do a couple of splashes in the corner whatever these backward DDT things called and pin him one two three boof so you're, NWR you're saying, dead you're saying you, you're gonna pitch Hogan being squashed. That doesn't work for me, brother. No, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Indeed. It's like for me that would that would work in it. Like I don't can you you get Hogan wanting revenge yeah. and you can you can go somewhere oh, yeah. with that. And you don't an established star, you don't kill him by doing that. We've seen it. Of course not. No. It, it's, no you know, there's Sting, they've they've told you half the story as it is. Sting hasn't been in the ring for a year and a half. There's no, you know, recent scouting for Hogan to do in terms of prep. What's he going to expect in the match and things like that? Probably wouldn't be expecting a ridiculously fast, aggressive start and boom, that's it. Um, so yeah, you could have you easily told the story that way. Instead, like I said, we get Hogan completely dominating Sting for pretty much 99% of this match. Um, I actually didn't take a note of the finish, so maybe you have got the finish and the sort of botched yeah, finish. So, uh, right, okay. I'll pick it up from, they're fighting on the outside. I seem furious that Hogan hits Sting in the head with his own bat. To me, that's bang out of order. Um, Sting reverses Hogan into the guardrail, tries a Stinger splash. Hogan moves. Sting hits the rail. Hogan lifts Sting and crotches him on the rail. Sting down. Hogan posing. Leg drop by Hogan. And here we go. The ref counts. It's, it's just a three count. It's um, one, <laughs> Nice, two, clean win three. for Terry. And I'm thinking, wow. That was easy, or I would have been if I didn't already know the situation here uh, from this match. But yeah, um, I suppose we could either go to the end and then talk back. That maybe makes more sense. Okay. Um, the bell doesn't ring. Bret Hart is out stopping the timekeeper physically, holding him. 
stopping him from ringing the bell. Classic face move. Poor Nick Patrick is saying, ring the bell, but Brett's saying, this will not happen again. Brett is (laughs) accusing Nick Patrick of a fast count. I didn't see a fast count, but Brett just punches poor Nick Patrick. He's he's done. Um, Brett throws Hogan back in the ring, restarts, restarts the match with Brett as ref. Sting very quickly, Stinger splash into the corner. Bagwell and Norton are down. Uh, Sting takes them out. Another Stinger splash in the corner. And then Sting puts on the Scorpion Deathlock and points at Brett, who uh, calls it when Hogan quits. And I, I've got to think cahoots here between Sting and Brett for this whole yeah. thing. Um, it it's not it's not a good look. Um, Hogan quits. WCW talent are all out celebrating with the new champion. I think the crowd popped pretty well uh, for for the the win, but uh, my notes go to then the words "What a fucking mess." <sighs> it's a shame because you, I, I agree. The crowd from from when Brett comes out, like the crowd are electric. Mm-hmm. This is what I think the match should have been. This is exactly what what that was after the restart. Um, yeah. yeah. Imagine that. The crowd would be going absolutely bananas. Mm-hmm. It just make Brett look like an absolute goof on his pay-per-view debut because there's no justification for what he's just done. Also, he's refing the match and Sting wins the match using his, his mm-hmm. finishing move, almost taunting him. Yeah. And Hogan... Doesn't even tap out. <laughs> like it's yeah. not like it's a move, you know, like rings of Saturn where both arms he, he couldn't couldn't he tap. Uh-huh. Yeah, his hands are there, right, right, basically on the mat. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there's there's quite a lot of issues with this. Obviously, like we'll get into you know who's at bottom, what happened, where. If you're doing this type of finish, the fast count has to be very obviously very fast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yep, and it didn't come across as fast at all, really. Um, it Brett then going so aggressively against that makes him look like a heel. Uh-huh. He, the, the ref has, from what you can see watching it, called that down the middle, <laughs> and Brett saying, "No, no, you can't do that. That was you, you've cheated." And then punching like the ref. Like an actual madman. Uh-huh. Like he's just seeing and things. It's, it's almost like he's having like PTSD from what just happened to him in, in WWF. Imagine um, that was the gimmick they gave him. That'd be amazing. That, that might have actually worked a lot better. No, this is not. It just interrupting loads of matches on Nitro. <laughs> no, not again! That would be brilliant. <sighs> so, I suppose that one of the reasons I picked this show is because I think it had just got to 25 years since, since oh, it all right, happened. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there was a lot of podcast talk about it um, in terms of what went wrong, what happened. Bischoff, we sort of know his buddy-buddy with Hogan and we'll never throw him under the bus uh, publicly. But they, they actually had um, on ad-free shows, they had uh, Nick Patrick and Eric Bischoff talking about it and recorded it. Uh, I've not listened to it, unfortunately, because I'm not willing to pay for ad-free shows. Uh, But I believe Nick Patrick has always maintained he was told to count normal. Now, in the build-up, by the sounds of it, he was told, yeah, fast count, fast count, fast Mm -hmm. count. 
And then from some stuff I've seen and heard, Hogan and Bischoff got a bit nervous. They didn't think that Sting was in a very good place physically. Um, they weren't as sure about putting the title on him, but they do it anyway. Um, and they, it's as if they wanted a get out for Hogan. Like at the last minute, they wanted to create a situation where there's, it doesn't look like... It, it kind of looks like he was wronged and gives him a very viable reason for the defeat and to get back into the picture. Um, and yeah, I think from the snippets I've heard, Nick Patrick is very straightforward in saying, I was told close to the match, it's going to be a normal count now. Do a normal count. But it was apparently, from what I remember hearing, it was Hogan that told him that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's the same thing as I've read. Um researching for this which is 100% believable yeah but yeah. I, I don't understand the, the the sort of crazy thinking behind that Like, so so they do a normal three count, do they think that they might just abandon the plan? Uh, yeah, I, that's where it doesn't make sense because surely if you're Bischoff and you're Hogan, who obviously had his fair bit of power and you're no longer sure about Sting the end result is still putting the belt on it, uh, but it's just making a bit of an arse of the way you get there. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get it. it. Doesn't make sense to me. Nah, <sighs> I wonder if he's concerned about Hart as well because obviously he's left. He was supposed to job to, to Brett before he left WWF. Yeah, true. How many years ago would that be though? Was that like remember we did ninety four oh. King of the Ring or was that ninety three yeah. ninety four? And in the Summer Slam, it was supposed to be. Yeah, um, was it ninety five? He he landed in WCW Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> so odd. WCW is just such a mess. <laughs> if they ever did a behind the scenes, you know, like well, we talk about Young Rock quite a lot on this show. Mm-hmm. Like if if they ever did like a a, to- a proper Netflix HBO uh, top notch backstage WCW show would be fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, the drama yeah. would be amazing. You'd think there'd be a lot of money in that. And, you know, the likes of Bischoff can't be thinking he's going to get another job at WWE. He probably still does bits and pieces of work for them. But mm. at the end of the day, this isn't happening in WWE's company. This is happening in the other. So they're not going to mind, I wouldn't have thought. You would have thought no. some, they would have looked at doing something like this. Because all the stories you hear, like Nash obviously tells a lot of stories on his, his podcast now, just the beggars believe some of the stuff mm-hmm. that, that seems to have went on. Do you think there's like a protecting reputation from Bischoff's point of view? He doesn't want to be tarred with some of what actually Probably. went on? Certainly seems that type of character. Uh... Fuck that man. <laughs> Something I did like was La Parca in the ring at the end with all the WCW guys and he's just wearing normal clothes in this silly <laughs> Halloween costume mask. Brilliant. Got a love for Parker. I like Taxo and full tuxedo um, in the back greeting Brett as if he'd not seen him for about 10 years <laughs> like he'd just seen him. <laughs> Amazing. There's a lot of people in that ring at the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh. Would have been a shame if it <laughs> wow! If I had, um, yeah, so, went off air to, when when Brett went for the bell. Sorry, go on. So not 
not a classic show. Well, just out of curiosity, if you've got the information there, what was the highest star match on the card? Uh, what What do you think would have been the highest star? Match? Uh, oh, God. <gasps> Go- Wait, Goldberg versus Mongo got a negative star. <laughs> okay, let me have a think. So, I mean, I wasn't impressed by Guerrero Malenko, but you know, maybe, maybe he saw something in that. <sighs> I'm struggling to see. Yeah, I'll go that. I'll go Guerrero Malenko. Yeah, you're right. Two and three quarters. Okay. Um, the B team versus Steiners and Ray lives in a trailer got half a star. Uh, same with Bagwell, Luger, DDP, Cartagena got two. That was it. Shocker. Not really a really classic bad. show. I feel like wrestling generally just sort of thrives on building up these amazing storylines and just completely <laughs> shitting out the shitting out the end. It's kind of yeah. like Stephen King does with his novels. These brilliant ideas, and then the endings are just always just can't shit. Do an ending, yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe Stephen King needed a Pat Patterson. Maybe. Did you yeah. see the the episode of Young Rock that had like a little young Pat? Yeah, part in I it? did. Yeah, quite like that. I, I'm so much more impressed by that show than I expected to be. I just I really enjoy watching it. It's very good. Aye, me too. Uh, I do question if uh, High Chief Peter Maivia was as accepting as he appeared to be on that show, hmm. but. Yeah. I really liked that little bit. It was quite unexpected. I, I would take a, a full Pat Parson series. I like the whole thing about him coming up with the Rumble and saying that mm-hmm. everybody's starting in the Battle Royal. There's more drama. With, yeah. But, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure yeah. it's not like, I'm sure it's heavily scripted and all that sort of stuff. But, mm-hmm. um, anyway, do you want to know where we're going? Yeah, go for it. I'm just looking to see, I'm going to count how many people are on the card that I've picked. That were all that were on this card. So Ray Trailer, Kurt Hennig, I think. Yes. Uh, Hogan, Savage. I think that might be it. I think that's okay. it. Okay. WWF SummerSlam nineteen ninety. Excellent. Well, I'll talk you through the card. Yes, please. Um, Commentary by Vince McMahon and Roddy Piper. God damn it. If I'd known that, I might not have picked that. <laughs> Do you know, um, Shavoni was Shavoni was doing, I think, SummerSlam 89, possibly. Yeah. I, I, think I was watching he, some older stuff. Did he leave just, was it just after that might have been his last show? Because I right. think he, he found out that basically Vince didn't see him as a, like the main commentator when they were deciding who was going to be on the... It was maybe into the Rumble, I think he maybe left before the Rumble, after right. finding out that Vince just didn't see him as their, their main guy. The um, anchor guy. Yeah. So this SummerSlam 1990s got that classic orange videotape front cover, and it had Hogan, Earthquake, with Dino Bravo on one side, and... And Warrior and, and, and uh, Rude on the other side. So here's a card. Uh, the Rockers versus Power and Glory. Mr. Perfect versus the Texas Tornado. Okay. Yep. I thought it was versus the Big Boss Man, so I've got confused. Uh, Tito Santana versus the Warlord with Slick. A two out of three falls match for the WWF World Tag Team title. Demolition versus the Heart Foundation. 
Yep. Lots of lots of messing about with people under the ring and whatnot. Yep. That's pretty much part of the reason why I picked this. <laughs> um, Jake Roberts versus Bad News Brown, special referee, the big boss man. Okay. Uh, Jim Duggan and Nikolai Volkov versus the Orient Express. Uh, Dust, oh, Dusty Rhodes um, versus Randy Savage. Oh, nice. Earthquake versus Hogan. And the Ultimate Warrior versus Rick Rude in a steel cage match for the World Heavyweight title. Amazing. So is this is this Hogan just recently come back after losing the, the title then? Yeah, so WrestleMania yeah. we're just off the back of WrestleMania six when yeah, it was Hogan he, Warrior, yeah. I think he disappeared for a couple of months and then came back straight into Thing with Earthquake. I'm I'm looking forward to that. this is one of those I had it on VHS. I yep, will have watched same. it a lot in my youth. I don't think I've watched it for a very long time, so this should be good. And I want to say, Warrior and, and Root had a couple of great matches, so that was why I watched SummerSlam yeah. 89, because they had a really good match for the Intercontinental title the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think he got some of Warrior's best matches out of him. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think Rude is one of those guys that I really enjoyed watching as a kid. I thought he was really, really good, and I think I maybe forgot uh, how good he was. Um, I'm looking forward to going back and watching this. I, th- I think he's, for me, he's one of those guys that maybe I appreciate it more now. And I think back then, because he was so good at being a heel, I just thought he was a complete dick. You know, mm. and he'd do the whole, uh, you know, criticising the women in the town and stuff like that and all that kind of thing in his promos. Um, and so arrogant and full of himself and all that. But looking back now, I just think it was brilliant. Like the presentation, yeah. everything about it was brilliantly done. Yep. And he had good tights. Yeah. He always had good tights. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Dusty and Savage. Yep. And that, that tag team match sounds class. Mm-hmm. It's going to be It fun. says it's Crush and Smash. I'm sure mm-hmm. Axe must. Yeah, I think, yeah, there's there's some shenanigans. I do remember thinking, they don't look that alike. But, you know, <laughs> the, ref, the ref was baffled by everything going on. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, well, we'll relive some childhood in a couple of weeks' time. Yep, cool. Thank you for picking an absolute shit Starcade. <laughs> um, at least it's... I think that's the only Starcade I've ever watched, actually. It's not really going to encourage you to go back and watch a whole lot more, is it? Well... Do you know what's funny? I was thinking about WCW and like uh, late 80s, early 90s WCW was um, talked about as like really good in-ring product. Yep. And WCW kind of seemed to sell itself as a professional wrestling company Uh whereas, and not sports entertainment, but at some point WCW was more sports entertainment than than WWF, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Because this, yeah. this stuff, like, with the exception of maybe Benoit Saturn and, and Malenko and Guerrero, there's no wrestling, really. Yeah. It's just all shit. It used to always be said, like, from the early days that um, WCW would have this great undercard and, like, you know, good technical matches on it. But WWF would have this headline event that people mm-hmm. wanted to pay for and see. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that was in the, the earlier days than this. But you know, Bischoff's probably seen a model that was selling and thought, "I'm going to just steal some of it, mm-hmm. just, you know, copy it." Um, didn't work. And out they were on well top. Long, you, know. you know, they were on top here and said it was oh, yeah. the, their biggest yeah, selling I mean, pay per view. This one. 
a good good couple of years, pretty dominant. Um, but yeah, think about WWF must have been. Yeah, that, yeah. the thing is, nineteen ninety seven pay per views for WWF are class. Yeah, yeah, I think they are. I think that's maybe one of my favourite years. Although we both thought nineteen ninety eight was really good, didn't we? And then definitely had the emergence of both WrestleMania thirteen's ninety ninety seven as a stinker. Oh, the exception yeah, of Brett true. Austin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the Sultan versus the Rock, obviously. Of course. Yeah. Do you remember uh, do you remember watching that? Rocky Johnson comes out and attacks us all. I do. Yeah. And he's like his old tag partner's sitting in the front row but doesn't actually do anything. Uh, <laughs> Tony Atlas, he's just he's just sitting there. Doesn't get involved at all. That's quite odd. <laughs> right. Okay, well we shall speak in two weeks. When we cool. do some recruit appreciation society. Awesome. Until then, get those hips oiled. We will gyrate in two weeks. Take it easy. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>